Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. The new show that's the talk of the town. You're tuned in with host Donna Lyons for the latest in entertainment plus the most engaging discussions, top actors, musicians, and producers from Hollywood to Broadway. It's all entertainment. Delivering the buzz and the scoop in three, two, one. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's All Entertainment. I am your host, Donna Lyons. Talking to you live from Washington, D.C., right here on the Lions Radio Network. And my guest today is Adam Sharp. And while we're waiting for him to call in, um, I just wanted to thank our listeners around the globe. We went worldwide about seven, eight months ago. And uh, our listeners in France, the U.K., and China have jumped tremendously. And we want to thank you so much, Karen, from Lions Radio Network. We appreciate that you guys tune in and uh, hang with us. It's, it's the best. And knowing that you guys are out there, uh, especially while we're all quarantined, it's kind of nice to know that we have our fans around the world. So if you guys ever have any shows that you want us to do, please hit us up at lionsradionetwork.com or Lions Radio Network on Facebook. I know a lot of you are on Facebook and you can send us a message there if you would like. Um, While we're waiting, I wanted to talk about some of the shows that I've been watching on Netflix, especially. I think since we're all quarantined, it's kind of nice to know that we have uh, a backup plan other than television. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today when Adam comes on. Okay, so I watched The Tiger King. That is like a bad car wreck that you can't help but stop, slow down, stop, and look at. (laughs) I have... I have been blown away by the fandom that this show has and all, and the cult following already. The songs that have come out, it's hilarious. Um, so if you guys get a chance, if you haven't watched it, watch Tiger King. The other one I started watching was Outer Banks. Um, I'm not really sure about this one. It's, it's about kids that are hunting for a treasure. Um, they're kind of spazzy over... It's like over-dramatized, I guess, uh, a little out there, um, but it does get you hooked. I ended up watching the whole thing, the whole first season. I, I'm hoping that there will be a season two because now I need to find out what happened, but if not, I'm okay with the fact that it ended. And I also just started watching Ozark. Um, that's another one that I think is fantastic. I didn't know much about it um, until uh, I started watching it, and I'm and now I'm hooked. So I'm on season two. I'm halfway through, and I will let you guys know how it's going. And I think our guest is on, uh, has, has called in. So let me just give you a little background. Um, Adam has been called the human embodiment of Twitter by the New York Times. He has forged a distinctive career of more than 20 years at the intersection of media, technology, and politics. He has held leadership roles at NBC, C-SPAN, and his current position is President CEO of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences Foundation. And let's go ahead and bring Adam on. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. 
Well, I appreciate you calling in. I know you're probably really busy because I heard there's a lot of buzz going on with the uh, daytime Emmys. But before we go there, can you give every, the listeners a little bit of background on you and how you got involved with the National Academy? Sure. Well, my and thank you for having me on the show. It's it's funny. My uh, my relationship with the Academy is either a short story or a long story. Uh, <laughs> it actually started uh, 25 years ago. Uh, in addition to the different Emmy Award shows we produce, the daytime Emmys, sports, news and documentary, technology and engineering, and all the regional and local Emmys around the country, we also have a scholarship program for rising high school seniors who intend to pursue a career in television after college. And I was a winner of one of these scholarships in their second year uh, uh, when I was a high school senior 25 years ago. And so that started the relationship and the relationship that's stayed with me my entire career through, as you mentioned, NBC, C-SPAN, the Senate, and, and Twitter. And so a year or so ago when they were looking for a new CEO and reached out to me, uh, it was one of those short stories of a short conversation that was 25 years in the making. Wow. And you just said yes right away. <laughs> I would assume. Uh, no, I said no four times, but then I said yes right away. <laughs> I mean, um, and I think one of the things a lot of people are concerned about are the daytime Emmys. You know, they were postponed. They postponed the June uh, ceremonies because of the coronavirus and the stay at, in, at home and in place. Um, so tell us, what does this mean now for nominations and the award ceremony? What are, what's happening with all that? So... We, we see these competitions sort of as a sequence of things. Certainly there's the period of time where people are creating the shows. That's our eligibility period. All of that was 2019. So for our competitions, um, at least the submitted programming wasn't affected by COVID-19. We'll be seeing that programming in next year's competitions. For our daytime and sports competitions, the entry deadlines had been just prior to most of the lockdown notices. So most of those submissions came in for daytime. It was our biggest year ever in terms of number of entrants. For our news and documentary uh, competition, that really had its entry period right at the height uh, of, of this. And so the original deadline was a couple of weeks ago. We've, we've extended that. Certainly these journalists are really on the front lines of keeping the public informed through this. And so we've tried to give them some extra time. And for daytime, we wound up extending the judging period to give judges a little extra time to give this programming the attention uh, it deserves. So right now we're anticipating doing the announcement of the daytime Emmy nominations uh, sometime in mid-May, uh, which originally we would have announced this week. Uh, the news and documentary nominations will still be mid-summer uh, the way they've been originally planned. And I think when we think about ceremonies, the, the challenge is really, first and, and foremost, how do you keep people safe? And for that, we look to the, the guidance from public health officials, and that's why it became clear that three days of ceremonies with over 1,000 people a night 
was not going to be happening in Pasadena in June. Uh, but then beyond that, there's an anticipated lag time where you may have a day when the government says, okay, now you can do events again. But is everyone going to feel comfortable right away? Um, and do people need to feel like, oh, to support my colleagues or to be honored my, myself, I, I need to put myself at unnecessary risk. And that's not uh, a feeling or pressure we want to put on people either. This is supposed to be a celebration. And so we're looking at creative ways to, to make sure that we can shine the spotlight on this great work and honor our community in the way they deserve uh, without creating a uncomfortable or unsafe environment for anyone. And then, so will these be, so then are you guys looking at live streaming? Yeah, I think at we'll be looking point? at a, a, a mix of things, certainly for, uh, if we take daytime Emmys, for example, uh, that was already planned to be a three-night uh, event in, in Pasadena for different groups of categories. And I think you will still see those categories be awarded over the course of several settings, not one big one. It is 100 categories we have to get yeah. through after all. But also, the dynamics of these communities are very different uh, as well. So to the extent things are live versus a pre-recorded event versus, you know, high, you know, full broadcast uh, production versus basically a Zoom call, um, I think we're still trying to figure out. Certainly, there are shows uh, in, in our community that have studios and control rooms and so on that are always on and as soon as they return to, to production uh, can be part of the mix. Things like the soap operas, game shows, talk shows, and so on. The talk shows in particular have largely stayed in production with their talent coming from, from home. And so that gives us an opportunity to engage them in one way. But then you also have programs uh, like some of the digital dramas, some of the children's programming, uh, travel and informational programming, where you know, they're in production for a few weeks or a few months out of the year, and then that's it. And so there is no studio. There is no uh, live feed already coming from someone's home. And so there you need a different approach to make sure that we are reaching out to and engaging uh, those those creators. So I think we're going category by category and figuring out what is the best way to connect with them and to celebrate their work. Right. And it's, it's such a tough time right now with everything. It's just a scramble. I know we're working from home. I'm not at the studio because I have a studio I can go to, but um, I'm stuck here and we had uh, sound technical difficulties last week. So that's why I had to reschedule you. And, you know, and so we're taking it one day at a time as well. So I, believe me, I understand. I know it's a little way more difficult for you because you're talking about hundreds of things. Um, and one of the other things I want to talk to you about is part of the things that you have changed is the logo and, you know, a brand refresh. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Certainly. I think when you look at an icon like, like the Emmy Award, 
you you first have Hippocratic oath, first do no harm. Um, the mm-hmm. this has been the icon of excellence in television for more than seventy years, and so how do you reflect on that history and that legacy while also highlighting its its relevance uh, in in present day? And so. On some levels, there were very practical considerations. The old logo didn't scale well for different sizes and particularly uh, digital uses. But it also had a bit of a, uh, for lack of a better term, old feeling to it. And so the new icon is designed to nod to that history. Certainly the silhouette of the Emmy statue is still first and foremost part of it, but it's a much more simplified, more modern design that speaks to the period of transformation that the Academy is in. And it's also sort of cropped by this this box that it is extending beyond, that the Emmy is not going to be boxed in or or contained. It's busting out at, at those seams because it is always pushing the limits and figuring out what's new. While television has changed umpteen times over these 70 years, from black and white to color to satellite uses to HD, ultra HD, streaming, the Emmy has remained that preeminent symbol of, of excellence. So it continues to expand and continues to push the bounds of, of that box. I, I love that logo. I think it's great. It's uh, fantastic. I um, The other thing I wanted to ask you before I let you go is, you know, what do you see happening with television, with all the live streaming and Internet available? Um, and I know that a lot of viewership has gone up because we're home now and a lot of, you know, we're doing Netflix and Amazon Prime and all these other things. Where do you see television going, like, in the next 10 years? Well, I've I've certainly learned uh, not to to make predictions because the world has a way of surprising you. Uh, I think one thing that's important to note, and this came up in the rebranding exercise, you know, when our academy was founded and when our sister academies for for the other media fields uh, came about, they were very platform-oriented. We were the television academy. We honored things on that box in the corner of the living room. The motion picture academy honored things on the big screen. The Recording Academy honored records. And if you continued with that notion, then we should all have merged to become the Academy of iPhone Arts and Sciences several years ago. I think we have a tendency to overthink things when talking about changes in technology and, oh, how does TV change? So at the end of the day, if I'm on the subway, and I look forward to being back on the subway one day. Uh, <laughs> if I'm on the subway and someone is there with their earbuds on and looking down at their phone, and I stop and I say, are you watching TV, a movie, or, or listening to music? They don't overthink it. They're not speaking at a industry uh, think tank conference. They know the answer in, in a heartbeat because it's something beyond just the platform. It is – how that programming speaks to them and how they connect to it and and the content of it. And they know the difference between TV and movies uh, and music. And I think for for TV, part of it is that intimacy. It is that it is a form of media that we bring into our homes, that we have 
in the bedroom with us, at the breakfast table, during dinner, it becomes a member of, of our family, and we form deeper connections to it. When we are celebrating the hometown team, uh, finding out whether it's safe to go outside or to go back to work or to go to school, or just trying to sort of escape uh, a bit, we welcome television into our, our homes on a daily basis. And I think that forms a unique intimacy that is particularly highlighted in times like this. For daytime television in, in particular, the biggest dynamic change we'd seen there over the years was certainly women entering the, the workforce. And over the course of the 70s, 80s, uh, 90s, and up to today, you saw a decline in that audience for the traditional broadcast soap opera, simply because the audience wasn't at home to watch it. So it's no surprise then that now when everyone's stuck at home, the ratings for those have shot up. But also when you look at the various streaming services, CBS All Access, for example, where Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful are among some of their most viewed shows, even when compared to the CBS primetime lineup, because the audience interest in those stories remained. It was the schedule that changed. And when the tools became available for people to come home and watch those at their convenience, that interest uh, rebuilt. And so I think the biggest change is no longer being defined by schedule or by platform, but simply getting the stories to the people who want to engage with them. That's very well said, and and you're right. I was just, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, he's right. You know, now we can come home and we can watch whatever we want. I've had a couple of uh, um, actors from Young and the Restless on, and boy, I'll tell you what, my my listenership goes up tremendously when they're on. So that is a very well-loved <laughs> show, so I'm glad you talked about it. <laughs> well, we have a guy on our, on our uh, sports Emmys team who – uh, you'd look at him and demographically would be the last one you'd expect to become a soap fan. And now being isolated <laughs> at home for a month, he's now pinging colleagues to get backstories because he's trying to figure out days of our lives. Um, <laughs> and it's not even just the, the soaps. You know, I, I mentioned uh, this was the biggest year ever for daytime television in terms of the number of entries, the number of unique programs participating in the daytime Emmys. And a big driver of that was children's programming, which when I was a kid meant three hours on Saturday morning on three networks. And so right. that schedule aspect created a maximum amount of programming that could exist. Three hours by three networks, one day a week. Now with streaming and with uh, apps and, and platforms, CBS Kids, Noggin, and, and others, I'm parent of a toddler myself, it is literally 24-7 unlimited uh, content, and that brings more creators, more stories, more voices into the fold. And some really creative children's programs, things like Canticos, which is uh, Spanish language, opening up a, a new corridor for children's programming. Um, it's, it's really a robust time for the industry. Yeah, it really is. I have grandchildren, and they they are on their iPads watching stuff all the time. And and also on television, their mom can, like you said, record things and watch it later. So it's fantastic, the opportunities we have and the technology we have to be able to watch what we want when we want, as you said. 
So I, I think it's fascinating, and it's a fascinating time, and we will all be watching. And, Adam, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I know you're super busy with everything going on, and I, I'm sure you, I am sure with technology you never stop. <laughs> I <laughs> hope so. you guys are staying healthy and well over where you are, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing where all of this goes. Thank you. Same to you and yours. Thank you, Adam. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Everyone, that was Adam Sharp. He's the president and CEO of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. And uh, I hope that you will, you know, keep listening to Lions Radio Network. We have some great shows coming up tomorrow. I have another great show with Lene Ann. She is a success coach and, as she calls herself, a growth junkie. So we're looking forward to that show. And um, I will keep everyone updated on what's happening with the daytime Emmys as I get the information. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. Bye-bye.